0: What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 57, and we're going to cover Numbers chapter 30 and 31. So yesterday we left off with sort of a review, and today we're going to continue in that Psalm, but we're going to pick up the narrative again in chapter 31. But in chapter 30, you get the laws of vows restated and developed upon as well. It says in verse one, then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel saying, this is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord and takes an oath to bind himself with the binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And this is the law on keeping your word. This could be very well, what Jesus was teaching upon and building upon when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your yes be yes and your no be no, keeping your promises and not, and not swearing in an arrogant or sinful way. So something interesting here as well, God says in verse three, also if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself of an obligation in her father's house, in her youth, And her father hears her vow and her obligation by which she was bound. And her father says nothing to her, then her vow shall stand. Verse 5, but if her father should forbid her on the day that he hears it, none of her vows or her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand. And we see God setting forth male headship and male leadership for wives and for daughters that are in the home. That And this is good because women weren't treated fairly during this time. Men had all of the privileges and all of the advantages. And so if you had a wicked man who would manipulate a woman, you could offset that with righteous men who would protect their women properly, their wives and their children. So God institutes this as a protection for women. And you see this even where it says that, A divorced woman or a widow shall be bound by her vow and her vow shall stand, which shows us it argues for the individuality and the worthiness and the worth of women and all individuals. But it shows the difference in function. Most people hear the headship and submission discussion as inequality, but that's not the case. The personhood is equal both man and woman is equal, where the inequality is, is in function and roles. Man and woman are not equal in function and roles. And that's crystal clear. We can argue that on both sides. And that's how this chapter is summarized. Verse 16. These are the statues which the Lord commanded Moses as between a man and his wife and as between a father and his daughter while she is in her youth in her father's house. And then we move into chapter 31. Narrative picks up again, look at verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take full vengeance on the sons of Israel on the Midianites. Afterwards, you will be gathered to your people. Arm men from among you for war, that they may go against Midian and execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel, you shall send to war. And so they're about to send 12,000 people out, which we see in verse 5. That's what the math of a 1,000 from 12 tribes would give us. And so they go to war. Look at verse 7. They made war against Midian. And, And if you've lost your orientation, remember the Midianites, we just talked about them with Balak. Balak went to seek Balaam to get Balaam to spiritually attack. Israel. And remember, it doesn't work. God hijacks Balaam's mouth and he can only speak the oracles of God. And I kept telling you, Balaam is not a good guy. Don't listen to what he's saying. And we're going to prove that out right here in this verse. Look at this in verse 8. They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of their slain, Evi and Recham and Zer and Hur and Reba and the five kings of Midian. Look at this. And they also killed Balaam, the son of Baor, with the sword. The sons of Israel captured the women of Midian and their little ones and all their cattle and their flocks and all the, their goods they plundered. Let's look at verse 13, because this is going to tell us more information on what Balaam was doing. Moses and Eleazar the priests, and all the leaders of the congregation went out to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the camp, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, who had come from service in war. And Moses said to them, have you spared all of these women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Now, therefore, kill every man and the little ones and kill every woman who has known man intimately, but all the girls who have not known man intimately, you can spare for yourselves. And so what Moses is saying here, look, Israel, do not make the same mistake that they made at Baal Peor. If you keep the women that seduce these men and cause them to go after other gods, they're going to do it again. You got to get rid of the problem. You got to get rid of the root issue. And so Moses tells them, how to fully execute and obey the Lord. And so this is what I mean. You get a slight stress fracture here. Like, why didn't they know to do this? This is the sin that's completely set the Lord on fire and caused him to kill 27,000 people and kill off the first generation of Israel. And we're still walking in those old ways. But look at what also they did, though. They got Balaam. And you saw what it said? They listened to the counsel of Balaam. Just to reiterate, Balaam, silver or gold, I can only speak the word of the Lord, but that silver or gold meant something to Balaam, and you see what he did. It's not recorded here in scripture, but we see the counsel of Balaam multiple times, and we see the result of their counsel, and so we can infer what their counsel was. All right, Balak, I'm done with those oracles. I know you promised me some money. Let me show you how to get Israel. You can't get God to turn on Israel. He's faithful. He's immutable. He has loving kindness. He, when he enters a covenant, like the vows we just talked about in the previous chapter, when he enters a vow, he will not break it. But you can get Israel to break theirs. You can get them to turn on God. Give them your women and you'll have them. That's the counsel of Balaam. And it's wicked. And so they get Balaam. They divide the spoils. And one thing I like about what God has Israel to do is divide the spoils not only with the people who went to war, but the people who stayed home to show worth in all of the responsibilities and all of the roles. And we end with this statement. Look at verse 48. Then the officers who were over the thousands of the army, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds approached Moses. And they said to Moses, listen to this powerful statement. And they approached Moses and said to Moses, your servants have taken a census of the men of war who are in our charge and no man of us is missing. Can you believe that? No casualties. They've gone to war and everybody returns home. This is miraculous. Nobody goes to battle and comes back with no casualties. This is trying to show you the second generation is different. God is supernaturally providing for them, not only in manna, but in their ability to fight, because not only has he trained them to fight and train these farmers, this is an agrarian society. These are a bunch of farmers. God is trained into warriors. And not only that, their name Israel means God fights for you. And he's been fighting for his people. And you're seeing that now in the second generation. So I want you to be immensely encouraged by this second generation. And I want you to find yourself amongst this second generation. May you be a person of great faith, like Joshua, like Caleb, like Zelophehad's daughters. And may you have what Moses and those 70 elders had. May the spirit of God rest on you. And matter of fact, let's use some New Testament theology. May you be sealed with the Holy Spirit and have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you. And you go out into this lost and dying world and you do life with it every day of your life. And I guarantee people will take notice and you'll make your mark on the world from your little corner on the earth. All you have to worry about is what is in front of you. You don't have to go change the world. Just be obedient where you are, and God will fight for you. Yeah. And that'll be enough. You guys take care. Talk to you next time.